Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to episode 67 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. What's up, everybody? And back on the couch with us, Mr. Turnup Charlie Ridgely. What's up? Nothing, man. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Uh, I didn't expect you to ask me a Why question. Why was that back. so awkward? I didn't expect him to ask so me a question awkward? back. I thought he was just okay. gonna, like, leave. It was very awkward. Uh, it, was a pleasant, it was a pleasant greeting. Um, so, today... Charlie is with us because we're going to be doing quite a bit. We are going to review the new season of American Horror Story, 1984. Uh, All of us are going to dive deep into some big game-changing things that just happened to the X-Men and Marvel's House of X. We will also be getting into a few new stories, but I thought we'd start off with grenade time. See, you never know when it's coming, these grenades these days. So... In our grenade segment, we like to just kind of toss a topic into the room that people have been talking about, or more like arguing about, and just see if we can't get some quick opinions here. You never know. I mean, we've had a good grenade. We've had a grenade that blew up into thing. Charlie started this whole thing with his That's mad, true. crazy views on in Marvel's Eternals. Uh, you really today, were the origin I cannot of the wait for that movie to and be And today, awesome. I mean, it's fun today because we're going for a kind of a Marvel versus DC kind of conversation, which is... The new projections for uh, DC's Joker are out, and it's looking like Joker is going to be kind of a good box office success. And the opening in October is coming now up against a previous record holder for projections, which is Sony's Venom movie. The question in our grenade today is, do you think Joker can beat Venom? And now, let me say what I'm asking. This is opening weekend box office we're talking we're, talk, we're talking about shooting in the 80 millions range to be able to kind of dethrone Venom. Got to go high 80 millions, I think. Um, and the question why the question is kind of pertinent here is Joker is a very kind of stripped down, low budget, almost like DC indie movie type deal. And it's rated R. So there's some, there are factors to this. Mm-hmm. And it's rated R. And as we've discussed on here previously, there are certain factors to it that could really put off a lot of people from coming to the theater to see this, especially in the current social climate, whereas Venom is just like big, dumb superhero movie. Escape is fun. It was PG-13. It was a much bigger movie and, you know, kind of campaign behind it. Not to say Joker hasn't had publicity. Obviously it has. But it's not, I mean, it's not on the level as a studio blockbuster like Venom. Mm -hmm. So if it were to kind of dethrone Venom, it, it would just be not just an achievement for DC to feather in his cap, but like it would be the proof of concept that Todd Phillips kind of pitched to this studio about how to approach this and what they could achieve with, you know, achieving so much with so little. Do you think that with, but with all the factors, the rating, the subject matter, this current social climate, do you think it's possible? Charlie? Well, you put so many things to answer and unpack. Like, do I think it's possible to, beat Venom 100%. Like, it's, I think it's kind of a foregone conclusion at this point. Venom was, I think, $80.2 million uh, opening weekend in October. And Joker's right now looking at 82. Um, with so, wait, are we talking... With 85, I think? Are we talking... I'm basically, asking, do you think these... I mean, my real question, I guess, to spin this around is, do you think these projections are on point? Do you think... But is the argument opening weekend or opening is it week? Yeah, all yeah. Because overall, okay. overall, Venom, overall, Venom's going to beat Joker because of the international. Yeah. The international audiences aren't going to come out for this R-rated, 
you know, very serious, you know, dark look at this. I mean, it'll do okay, but you're not going to no, have. We're talking the, about the record, for right? October um, the okay. opening weekend record. I think it'll absolutely smash Venom. Um, you know, Venom, while it had the appeal of a blockbuster, it also was had a lot of really negative reviews, and it put a lot of people off. And so it was this really mixed reaction going in. And it, it only got to succeed based on the strength of the character of Venom. And when you look at Joker, it has the critical accolades. It has the you know the the backing of the you know Shazam and Aquaman were the last two DC movies. It kind of has you know that that momentum going in. Uh, it has a very low budget. It has all these things, but more than anything, it has the name Joker. And this movie could have been a total flop, and it was going to make money for DC because it only cost like fifty million dollars to make. You know. To make a, a movie about Joker, the most one of the most iconic characters of all time, with that little money, no matter what happened, it wasn't going to fail. And the fact that it's getting the praise and getting the Oscar conversation and just getting the social conversation, like I don't know, if I've seen a movie. I haven't looked at the stats, but I don't know if I've seen a movie this year tweeted about or talked about on social media more than Joker outside of Avengers Endgame. And so when you look at the conversation happening, everyone is so interested to see what this is. Even if some people are a little worried about the content or they're not sure how they feel about the, this kind of movie or they don't necessarily always like to go to those gritty R-rated things, they're going to go see it because it's Joker and because there's so much conversation around it. Yeah, I'm just saying, it. I mean, let's just put this into context. Like, if it does unseat Venom and earns the record for biggest October opening, mm -hmm. that's monumental in the fact that it's an R-rated movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and you're talking about October, months that have had, like, Paranormal activities, Saw movies, all these things. And so that would be a huge accomplishment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just, I just want to clear that up in context. Yeah, like, it, this it, is why I'm it, it, it's, it, it, it's definitely it's a monumental moment for, I want to say for comic book movies, even though it's not really a comic book, it's not really a comic book movie. It, it is a, a character study. It is Taxi Driver with Joker slapped on the title and some clown makeup, um, which is the biggest selling point. But that, like you said, that kind of proves... Todd's concept of if you take little money with a popular character and do something a little bit different, it will sell. Um, you know, people are going to this because it's called Joker, because Joker's never had a movie like that before. Matt? I think it, I mean, right now it's what? It's 82 to 80? Is that the current? I mean, I mean so Venom made $80.2 million, yeah. and the, the projection from NRG, which is like the industry leader in yeah. box office tracking, um, Energy currently has Joker at hitting 82 million over the course of the weekend. Yeah. I mean, I could, uh, I'm not saying it's a, I'm not as like sold on like it's a sure thing, I guess, because I look at it's, and it's really all about the rating for me. It's not about the critical acclaim and stuff because I, I think absolutely Joker comes in with a much higher level of, of hype and appreciation and like, oh my God, people know that this is going to be a good movie in addition to like having Joker as part of it. So I'm not doubting that at all. But I but I think the R rating does make a big difference when you're talking money and people showing up with a group rather than just but like, a couple yeah, people. How much money did it chapter two just make? Or Deadpool two? Like like I mean, yeah. But if you look at sequels too. Yeah, built in look at the first it, you know. I mean th this is the same thing. Like even though it is a, was a book yeah. before and Joker is an established character. Yeah, so I'm not same, saying he's not going to do well. Thing. I just, I just think that I don't. I'm not as like, oh, it's a no brainer that it will pass it. If it passes at 82, cool. I mean, that's a, that's a win. Cool. I got. I don't necessarily care either. But I mean, I think it'll be. If it does, it'll be a small amount. It'll be a small, small amount. Yeah. Okay. Charlie's saying a blowout. You're saying a small amount. I'm not saying anything at all. What? No, I'm not saying. Um, <laughs> I think it could. I think it's going to be. I think it's closer because I mean we're just seeing in the 80, and it seems like a like a simple. But there's a reason. I mean, Venom holds the record. Yeah. For that. So. But it's do not you remember last last year when Venom came out? Do you remember the way that you know the articles we were writing about the conversation on social media and how how much conversation it generated because people were saying it was horrible, but then there was diehard fans saying no way, and people were debating about the content and whether or not it needed Spider-Man. And it feels very similar with Joker. Obviously, it's about different content and different circumstances and a different do we need this conversation. But the energy on social media from fans feels yeah. very similar. I, I'm not doubting Joker. I'm actually not doubting Joker as a long play movie. 
um, that word of mouth carries and awards mm. kind of conversations heat up and that brings focus onto it. I'm just thinking about, I mean, we're talking about out of the gate momentum, yeah. like, right. Well, it also is has, it going to be essential first week watching? It's got no competition for, for I mean, that. 80's that first not week small. Really. Right, like yeah. no, 80s, not no, a small not, amount. I mean, so it just like we any... all kind of, I felt like we all had this discussion when Endgame was like, oh, it's gonna sail past Avatar, and then it was like, come back to Earth a little bit because it took it a long time yeah. to get there, and Marvel had to re-push it numerous times. Like I know we look at these giant numbers sometimes and think, oh, that's nothing. I mean, to be but fair, it is. Avatar but it is. was re-pushed like four times. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying we, I, so many people. Even some on this stage <laughs> in this show were like, no brainer, it's done. And it wasn't. It was never an easy sell because 80 million, I feel like in this day and age, is a small number as we look at all these billion dollar sales and all this other yeah. stuff. But it's still significant. It's still a and lot. For October, it is. For an October and for an R rated yeah. film. No, it's I, a lot. I, I, I right. totally agree. All right. So we're not going to let this blow us up too much. We're going to keep on moving. Uh, we're going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. It really will. I'm so interested to see how Joker lands. And so uh, we're going to be keeping a watch on that. Uh, moving right along, we're talking about a little fun thing that uh, came out a couple days ago. Uh, we didn't talk about it on the last show. We didn't have time, but we're going to talk about it here. There's a new Jurassic World short film out by the original film's director, Colin Trevorrow. And it's called Jurassic World uh, Battle, of Big, Battle of Big Rock. And it picks up right after the end of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which, spoilers for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, spoilers. It ends with a girl getting cloned. It didn't end with a girl getting cloned. I know, that was just a big twist in it. I just wanted to troll Jurassic World. I'm just kidding. The real relevant thing for this short film is that at the end, a bunch of dinosaurs get released into the American wild and are out and kind of roaming about. And so... Basically, this short film picks up with the concept of what happens when a family who's kind of out camping gets runs into an encounter with some of these dinosaurs that have been set loose. And uh, we just want to bring it up because I wasn't expecting much. I mean, it was a short film, and I was like, oh, whatever, some kind of short. I know it was Colin Trevorrow, but that didn't exactly like make me instantly thrilled. But then I sat down and watched it, and it was really good. This was like the kind of Jurassic World movie I want to see next. Like... Yeah. I would even take, I was thinking to myself, and I know this sounds crazy, but I would even take like a Pulp Fiction type, multiple vignettes like of stories of people out and things are happening yeah. with these dinosaurs that kind of converges in some way at the end. Um, because it was great. It was kind of fun. Like, I mean, you could do it without, you know, actual Quentin Tarantino like chapters, just yeah. like, cut scenes and or like, do it things. like Quentin Tarantino. What's that? So, or just do it like Quentin Tarantino. I, I'm either way. <laughs> Have a dinosaur just this with was... its feet up. But, um... Yeah, you know, like yeah, but this was really good. Uh, it captured a lot of human drama. It has like the guy from Castle Rock in it, Andrew uh, Holland. Yeah, and so like, and the woman from the island. Yeah. on Netflix. Ugh. The the it, that is, I want you to watch that show so bad. Why are you so? We're don't drag is, us into talking oh about this God. terrible show. I won't, but it's just it's the worst thing I've ever seen. But I it just makes human. Well, then why are you telling someone? I the, couldn't why? stop watching. It, <laughs> it was but, a train wreck. I mean, uh. this like fulfilled the title of the you know, Jurassic World better than just about anything like we've seen. Um, and it was just really good. I mean, it, it for a short film, it did a really good job of getting the dinosaur kind of thrills and spectacle in there, actually delivering like a grounded and good human story and still making it feel like intimate enough for you to care about these characters a great deal. Not just physically, but even like on an emotional level. There was a part in the film with like a baby triceratops and one of the kids is like that hurt my soul. See, like yeah, yeah, Kofi had me watch it, like, and he watched my reaction in real time as I was watching it. And when that happens, I like lost my. And mind. you're like, and I was so mad just at him for this little girl I was who's about so to mad. possibly see something horrible happen to a baby dinosaur, and you're like, <laughs> it was oh, awful. No, turn that kid away. But it's okay. Yeah, and it's great. Baby's and okay. uh, yeah, man, and I would love to see. I can't. I don't know. Have they announced who's directing three yet? I forget. Tomorrow. What's it? Trevorrow. Trevor, he's coming back? Yeah. Oh, that's good news. I, I haven't... Look, man, I don't care about the draft. I wouldn't say, I, I wouldn't say so it's like, good news, but it's something. I also explains... Yeah. I was, like, I guess the biggest this thing... This was his audition tape to say, hey, guys, I have curious, ideas. The most I curious factor I had was that, like, where did this come from as far as, like, that's a lot of budget yeah. to sink into a yeah. short film. Like, it looks really good. I also wouldn't say it has a... It's weird because, like... <laughs> 
it doesn't really have a human story as much as like you're just watching these people. It terrified. doesn't, but like I already care more about Andre Holland's character than I do Chris Pratt's character. I agree, but I'm thinking like that's the I think that's the balance it needs to find because I don't necessarily need I've never needed this riveting human story. And the same thing goes for like the Godzilla films and like all these monster no. creature films. I just need to be, to for this family or the group of characters to get me invested just in their personal survival. I don't need this long narrative. No, it's, I mean, no, it's you supposed don't to be a simple it. survival story. It's this like, proves it. I don't they go that. in and they're, you know, whatever issues they go in with, like just by surviving and somehow yeah. they come out the other end and they've learned what they needed to learn. Right. Along yeah, the but need. The, I think that goes two ways. So on one hand, I agree with you <laughs> wholeheartedly. Like when Godzilla King of Monsters came out and mm -hmm. I didn't love that movie and a lot of people were just like, oh, but it's, you don't, it doesn't matter what, you know, but the, the people's story doesn't matter. It's all about the dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. like, and I get that. But at the same time, the movie put a lot of emphasis on the people characters and their mm -hmm. stories were not good. And that was a problem. Yeah. You know, so I get that. Like, make it more about the monsters. Make it about the dinosaurs. But at the same time, I look at Jurassic Park, which I, I still to this day think is one of the most perfect blockbuster ever made. I mean, I don't, that's not, I don't think that's a very hot of a take. Okay, but, but here's I, the I, thing. J but yeah, Jurassic you, Park. Okay, but to go to that earlier discussion, right. you do I mean, this is Jurassic to the Park. extreme like, level. Yeah. It's not like, oh my God, guys. <laughs> you, I think, that, I know. I think Jurassic, Jurassic Park, World is... It, I'm just laughing because... Jurassic you, Park. You, you just like we literally just phrased, talked about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's Jurassic Park. You want to talk iconic? That is one of the most iconic summer blockbusters. The reason why we call him Turn Up Charlie Ridgely is because like... Yeah, you just have these. Uh, it's not hyperbolic in the case of J Jurassic Park because you're right. I mean, Jurassic Park's a classic, but you do have tend to go for the hyperbolic <laughs> rating of movies. Like, Listen, uh, we greatest spent, we spent movie all our my time. eyeballs have ever we, seen. I don't go that far. Yesterday, like, I don't go that far. Uh, you know, but we're trying. Like we live on Twitter all the time, so it's like everything feels like it's always Charlie. Dealt with I extremes. love your enthusiasm for movies. That's why you're here. Anyway. Jurassic Park is one, <laughs> one of the most perfect blockbuster ever created. I stand by that 100%. I won't deviate from that no matter what you say or how much you make fun of me for anything I don't else. want you to change. Uh, I, I don't you want you to change, Charlie. I don't want you to change. That movie has so much narrative built into the human characters and very compelling, interesting human characters. Yeah. And the one story of the ultimately... female characters that we didn't even know was like... One of the best female characters for like a long time, uh, Laura Dern. Yeah, and that movie is so fan. And, and I mean, the, like the little side plot of Jeff Goldblum, like it wasn't a full story, but like he had a narrative purpose. And um, you know, the story of uh, Alan and the kids, and and what that taught him. And yeah, um, that was like I mean, it was perfectly handled. That movie was put together so well, and so I want to see these Jurassic films get to that point. You know, I think Lost World had it a little bit. Um, it was a little over the top, but Lost really? World kind of. Better than most of them have. I liked know. three better than. Oh, see, I didn't. I, I disagree. I, I liked. I did not like three at all. Lost World and Fallen Kingdom are the ones that I that I enjoy of all the sequels. Um, yeah, see, th that that's the that's the grenade you blew by was my Fallen Kingdom thoughts. Yeah, but that we was can, really the. We'll we'll, we'll come knew? to that another time. Who knew? But I, I want to see. You know, this this was the first one that even got close to Jurassic Park in my in my yeah. opinion. Like, um, better than Lost World, better than Fallen Kingdom, better than three. I think this had compelling characters they didn't show as much because it's only eight minutes long yeah. but they had story that they came in with and they had something well for you a, to it's a short story i mean you gotta right. jump right in the middle of right it. yeah and, and, and it did its purpose perfectly yeah. but if we got a full movie with them we would have you know hypothetically yeah. seen the whole story play out and their story was engaging and the story was interesting like the dynamic of See, their mixed family that's why that's the only thing i mean i think it's different for me is like this one made me realize like that's why i said i would love just to see like vignettes more so than the whole thing because i realized if I had to spend a long time dealing with all the ups and downs of this family and yeah. stuff, like I would get sick of it, like in a movie. But just seeing things happening in real time, yeah. at, like in people in the middle of everyday situations, and then oh crap, there's a dinosaur! Like, well, that was one of my favorite parts about it. Is actually during the credits, is when they yeah. show all those yeah. little glimpses. It was of a much those better things. version. Yeah, and just like oh, is this. This little dinosaur just running after this little girl on the, <laughs> we on were the street. To, I don't know if we were supposed to feel bad or not, but that was hilarious. No, that was hilarious. The I little know. girl like running and crying. 
for all those little dinosaurs that killed yeah. the girl at the beginning of Lost World. Uh, I did and, feel bad about the the car that like it was played for laughs a little bit, like the car that goes sailing off the cliff. I was like, okay, it was kind of played as a oh no, and I'm like, no, that that person died. <laughs> <laughs> That's legit. Like no, <laughs> yeah, but it's just like that. That would be like a really fun way of of bringing back the Jurassic Park thing. But um, yep. all right, if you, the purpose of this is to say all that is to say, if you haven't checked out. Jurassic World Battle at Big Rock. Go online, check it out. It's on YouTube. It's it's a good little short film. Yeah, very one good. of the better Jurassic movies we've seen. Most iconic time. Jurassic short film ever. Yeah, another thing yeah, from the nineties that <laughs> another thing from the nineties that's having an unexpectedly good little <laughs> little little hype behind it right now is Will Smith. Uh, Gemini Man first reactions are out, and you know I've been curious about this movie. We talked about it a couple times on the show. Uh, it's Ang Lee, and I think Ang Lee can do anything. Like, and he just, like, does everything because he's Ang Lee, and it's all awesome except for Hulk. Um, but uh, I was kind of curious to see what would happen with him and Will Smith making this movie. And so far, it's sounding like this is going to be a good movie. And I'm psyched. Does it? I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, the, the reactions from people who have seen it are, are positive as well. Yeah, well, Will Smith that's does this thing. Oh, oh you're so not, cynical. But they have you not, though. to be so helpful. No, but they haven't. If you read all those reviews, which I did, they all praise how great it looks. And... Almost every single one goes, oh, but the story's stuck in the 90s, or the story's meh, or yeah, whatever I mean, the character's meh. But man, part. young Will Smith looks great. I'm not cynical. I read. Okay. <laughs> what kind of Will Smith do you want to see? That's 2019 Will Smith or 1990s Will Smith? But that's what the reviews say. This is what's going to bring out the people. Young <laughs> Will Smith looks great. It's a technological thing. Watch for and his performance. People say that like he has a good performance in the movie. I didn't see that in almost any of those reviews. Oh. I didn't see it at all. Like, no one said that. No one said that. They all said, this is gorgeous. This proves uh, 4K and 120 frames and all this. I saw all that. But none First of them said a great slide story. slide on comicbook.com. And what and does Lee it say? Gemini Man is a huge breakthrough. Actor sequence of breath taking the format. When Will Smith's winning performance shows a level of scrutiny a real movie star can stand up to. That Will Smith one, I did not see that part. The best of the best of that part. If you've but ever read needed, the rest of them. If you've ever needed evidence that Matt is a hater. No, read the rest we of them. Have the, you did can, you, did feel you see, free Matt, to read the rest the of them online. Of the return an item to the store. All I need is one. Oh, yeah, okay. So, one yeah. receipt. Go read the article. That's all I need. And read all of them because it's all, hey, this looks pretty. This looks great. You, you aren't mentioning the best thing I've seen in these, in these tweets. What? The best like, tweet review I've seen of this. And it, Ang Lee delivers bold action. Like that's it's a they, people are saying it's a good action movie They're with great visuals and, has and a great winning visuals. performance for Will Smith. Will Smith, Will Smith it, young Will Smith, don't Jim throws not me. one. <laughs> one tweet. Give me a break. And you young Will Smith throws not one, but two motorcycles at his older like, self. There was absolutely there was, none, and I, I found I missed, one in two seconds. I will seconds. say I missed that one. I so missed is that part. Possible? Let's do this. I missed that part. I looked at all of them. Mr. Aguilar, do you think? Based on what you have seen, it is possible, simply possible, that there could be other reviews. Oh, absolutely. Will absolutely. I rest my case. Did you base this on that article? And I didn't see that one. I know. Well, who knew this was, <laughs> you know, man, you never know what the grenades are going to be on this show. And I I'm not a cynical person. Grenade. I just look at that and go, I'm seeing a lot of the same stuff that Avatar had, which is it's really pretty and it sets all these new standards for technology and the movie's meh. The movie's meh, forgettable. To be fair, no one said that when Avatar came out. Stop it. Who knew this was going to be the grenade? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I mean, we all think that now. I'm just saying the, the critics all weren't right. talking about all that when right. Avatar came out. They were saying they were saying Moving it was right a along. huge technological marvel. Yeah, and they were saying it was a great movie experience. Like, yeah, that's and that the, they buried that the lead the and didn't tell us that the story story sucked. sucked. Not even su I won't because even say sucked. It's just mediocre. Oh my god, a lot of people don't think the story. Uh, I'm a secret Avatar apologist. I'm not doing this right now. But like this, a lot of people, you want to talk Cameron about me having hot picks takes? The most friendly around the campfire archetypes yes. for stories that we tell over and over again, yes. and he just tells the same. Did thing. I call James it bad? Cameron's overrated. No one will admit it. Oh, I didn't. Say oh that. man, did I, did I call oh, it bad man. though? What no, I happened? said it's average. This it is, is average. Look what Gemini Man has done. <laughs> All right, we're moving along. We got to pull this back together because we're not going to yell about Avatar today. We are Avatar Two coming. We have plenty of time to yell about Avatar. All right. Anyway, I'm not One story we missed uh, on our last episode that I just want to play cleanup for is that uh, Game of Thrones is continuing to expand. We have a prequel that's already in production with Naomi Watts, and it's about the old world, um, the Age of Heroes, and all that stuff. But 
Now we're getting one that people will actually care about more, which is wow. <laughs> we're getting one about fire and blood. Dude, come on. But we're like, just courting the hate today. <laughs> I mean, only Game of Thrones diehards like myself care about like the age of heroes a thousand years before the Andals come. Only like half of, only like 20% of the Game of Thrones viewers even would understand if I said a thousand years before the Andals come. They'd be like, what are Andals? Like, you know, it, all that stuff's confusing to a lot of people. So this one's a lot more simple. Fire and Blood, it's the story of the Targaryens, you know, empire, that they have dragons, silver hair, stuff we know from Game of Thrones, easy to follow. Uh, so that is coming, and that's probably a smart move for HBO. Uh, that seems like a much more reliable show it's concept. It's going to be a more and, marketable show. Yeah, and the stories are, are badass stories that we want to see. Like, I want to see the Dance of Dragons. I want to see the whole kind of, like, Targaryen weird gonna be a lot of incest stuff i don't know I, I mean i i i think just being a for those of us who are like big fans of it like i i'm more interested in the other one i mean yeah to see, to see different corner but yes. I, but but yeah. saying it's a targaryen show is way more marketable to you know to a general audience yeah and so here. it's you know i, I want to see new things we don't know anything about and you know like this history that's i mean there was told. a fire and blood book too so like that yeah. kind of broke down but it wasn't like a novel it was like broke down it's a yeah. history book Targaryens, and here, we'll just give you the dramatic reading. I want to get to the point. Centuries like, before the events of historical Game of Thrones, House Targaryen, the only family of dragon lords to survive the doom of Valeria, took up residence on Dragonstone. Fire and Blood begins their tale with the legendary Aegon the Conqueror, creator of the Iron Throne, and goes on to recount the generations of Targaryens who fought to hold that iconic seat all the way up to the Civil War that nearly tore their dynasty apart. I said dynasty on purpose, by the way. Dynasty apart. <laughs> a dynasty. Honestly, it sounds kind of lame. Really? Yeah, I mean, because we know what happened. Like, we know their story. It's a prequel. Right, but the other one's a prequel, and we don't know anything yeah, about so it. so far, they're playing with the idea that, I mean, in Game of Thrones itself, ends with the idea that the history books are all wrong. And when was the last time something as big as Game of Thrones got a prequel? I don't I don't know. You don't. No. Star Wars? Star Wars. Star Wars. Oh my! I thought maybe that's where you're going with that, it. but I, I, I was stuck in the land of TV. I was like, one oh. of one, uh, Potter, I, I think right? we can all one of these prequels. Richard stood up and shook his head from the booth. One hey, of these, Harry and listen, I'm, I like, the, yeah. I enjoy the prequels. It's just they they messed like it, it was not of the quality of, of the original. <laughs> He's left the booth. And Clone Wars. Richard has awesome. left the booth and is coming to hunt you down. <laughs> Clone Wars is the worst one, but that's not that's beside oh, the point. No, no, not that's the movie. The, the Clone Wars series was a oh 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 that was a good prequel. I was thinking Attack of the Clones. Yeah, so. What what I'm saying though is, I, of all these, on. they're making Aegon they're making the these they're making these prequel shows, they're making these spinoff shows. One of them is bound to suck. Yeah. No. I I, no, re I really believe that. Oh man, this is going to be the hate that we have to endure. But this is full of grenades. Just, no, yeah, no, I'm man, saying I'm saying, I'm saying one know. of them. I'm, I'm I'm excited. I'm a fan. I want them to no, all be good. I, I think said, one of them me will the, not work out. Me, um, the the guy who's a big fan of this. I'm kind of excited to see the other one because it's the story i think we don't know anything about it but what we suspect is it's the story of how one of the first andals showed up on the continent and andals are basically like game of thrones code for white people like, thank you you're <laughs> like he looked like, directly yeah. at me when he was explaining it and i was just like yeah sure whatever because uh, i know you don't follow <laughs> yeah, we'll let it go and yeah. so like the first one of the first it's blonde big. hair guys shows up and, it, and it's the guy who who builds the lannister family in the empire and there's kind of hints that this could be the story that we get and that and that's going to be great for us who love these deep cuts and would learn to like find out that it's completely different than we thought from the world of game of thrones how this all came about and all that got built I started. The, 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 um, targaryen the targaryen story is kind so, of more fixed yeah well it's so cyclical yeah you know and that was the whole their what they thought was their point they were making in the final season of like oh we're gonna let danny repeat history well they're just gonna make a whole and series so, like, to justify what happened so to we've danny. seen it already is what i'm saying like we've seen it happened with danny well, they gotta defend you know, why danny went crazy. Aegon, so and, be like, and then her father see, and it's just, that's what happened to her those bells see what happened to bells <laughs> I, I don't want that <laughs> i mean but it's happening my friend right that, that's my whole point is that it's marketable it's marketable it's going to do well, yeah. but I, I think that, that one has potential to, to not be very good. Somebody's going to see that first teaser, and all they're going to see is Game of Thrones and fire and blood and a dragon symbol. They're going to be like, ah! And it's going to be great. People are going to love it. All right. Wait, well, what are they going to be like? It's happening. <laughs> Last thing I had is just a quick one. Watchmen put out a new trailer. What the hell is this show? What show? Watchmen. Watchmen. 
And is this show oh, going to yeah. do anything? Like, I'm kind of worried about this. Here's my worry about Watchmen. I'm going to like it as an HBO prestige show, okay? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why I'm going to watch it, and I think it'll be interesting to me. My concern is it's going to fall right between the cracks of relevance, which is hardcore fans are not necessarily going to embrace this. Oh, you know, hardcore fans of the comics, especially the I only watch the or I only read the comics. Screw what the movie did. Zack Snyder messed yeah. it up. Purists aren't necessarily going to be behind this. It may be too weird and kind of out there for mainstream viewers to try to figure out what the hell this is all related to and then kind of retro retroactively come back to Watchmen and what that's all about. And that's my one concern. That's I don't think all. they're going to need to. Like, I mean, Westworld was weird. Westworld yeah, but you had didn't have crazy to, like, go back to the Westworld movie at all. I don't think you're going to have figure to. Out well, that, I, I, don't I think, think that's the biggest Lind Lindelof thing. has said, like, you're not going to – if you read the comics, like, you're going to have a, maybe a deeper appreciation for this. But you don't have to read them in order to watch the show. Um, I think yeah, it, 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 I, I, I think it'll provide you some context. I think it'll provide you some context. I think half of this first episode, premiere episode is going to be Watchmen references. You, you, <laughs> like, I feel okay. So I agree. And what I will say first is that when I first watched this trailer, I wasn't sold either. Really, I wasn't sold on. I was like, what? What is this really about? And honestly, I still can't really tell you what like the main plot line of this thing is about because there's a lot of stuff happening however the second time around i've really like it actually got me excited i am actually excited to see this i think lindelof was smart about putting that like letter out and really like hey explaining that he's not i think he will get more more fans like hardcore fans than he would have before he did the letter which was like hey i'm not screwing with the book, whatever happened in there happened. Like all that stuff really happened. Like the ramifications and like people who are dead or like we're not going to go messing up Alan Moore stuff. We are going to act like it's kind of like a Bible and then add on and go forward. I think that earned him some goodwill mm -hmm. amongst that community. So I don't think it'll be so hate. We don't like anything. Watchmen, stop messing with. But them. also, like how political. how how much crossover? Yeah. Like, I want to see the Venn diagram of the Watchmen diehards and then the dedicated HBO viewers. Like, how what's the crossover there? Because there's going to be a large chunk of HBO of people who are watching the show because it's just the new show on HBO. I mean, truthfully, I think there's way more HBO people. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm saying like I think the only is, thing that's even close is <laughs> something not being loyal to a comic going to deter enough people from watching a show on HBO. Because HBO has its own audience, and that's no, part of what's so, what's I think so good about the show. I think it'll do well, I, but I don't think it'll suffer as much from that like hardcore hate as we initially thought. I also think it's doing some really interesting things with like mm -hmm. the Rorschachs and like all those different, you know, like was it Mr. Glass or whatever? Like, what's the when, when, when you see Glass, uh, Tim Blake Nelson's character with that like chrome mask? It's like, oh, I'm so in on that. No, there's uh, a lot of really crazy cool. like imagery. I mean, a lot of this looks like some Twin Peaks stuff, like. I mean, it, it looks all crazy and, and, and intriguing to yeah. the eye. And as for That's, Watchmen, you see that one scene later when Owlman's ship, right? Yeah. Like Night, Night Owl's ship hits yeah, and you're crashes. like, if you don't read the book, you don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of those. Like, you right. don't understand who Rorschach or the significance of the mask, you know? But, but this is what we talk about there's all the time be a lot with, of that with, stuff. with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, there's things that if we, if you know the books... Yeah. You know the comics, you recognize a thing, and it's important to you. But if you're watching the movie with no context of the comics, you still get what's happening. They'll introduce you to a character. You don't know yes. You don't know when you watch the first Captain America, oh, oh, Bucky ends up becoming the Winter Soldier. As a comic fan, you know that. As a fan, you're just like, oh, I, need all the, I have all the context I need for Bucky, and I get all the context I need yeah. for the Winter Soldier in the next yeah, movie. Yeah, but Watchmen, the HBO series, is like, if you just sat down and started watching the Winter Soldier... And had never no. seen the first Avenger. I, I would say I, I come in midway. And never known I think that Lindelof is smarter is than or that. anything like that. But it's a wait and see. We don't know right, yet. Right, right. It's we, up we, to we, him. We don't know that. To, that is correct. To get close that gap. But you're right because this story already happened. You were coming in midway or yeah. after. It's a, it's sequel territory. So or even better, it's like going into Civil War and being like, yeah, there's this huge thing happening and not knowing. Who Captain America ever was, yeah. who Iron Man ever was, 
who Bucky or the Winter Soldier ever yeah. was or any of that. Like, There's a whole see, society I mean, of these dudes I, with masks, right, and you I don't think, understand well, where The, the dudes from. with masks have nothing to do with, with the, the previous dudes with masks. It's a whole new way of life. And, and it, that we know of, what, of Because now. of what happened. Yes. And but you have that link in Ozymandias, which I think is going to be the big like how we learn the story, mm-hmm. you know, because Ozymandias lived through it and yeah. now he's alive now. And There's so we're going to be some exposition dump right. necessary. Yes. yes, right. All right. Well, moving right along, we're not going to get too hung up. Be sure to stay tuned because when we get back, we're going to deep dive into two things. We're going to break down the game changing twist of Marvel's House of X number five, and we will review. American Horror Story 1984, the new season of the acclaimed anthology series. So be sure to stay tuned for when we get back. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right, so House of X5. Um... You know, we've been doing this week to week. We're just on this steady Jonathan Hickman, X-Men event kind of, uh, we're like roadies for this thing, I guess, now, as uh, we're just helping this thing down the track. And we're coming towards the end of the story. This is House of X 5, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, oh my God, it just dawned on me. We only have one yeah. more issue of House of X. Oh. Yeah, two, with two powers and one house left. Oh. It's nuts, yeah. It's oh, man, that's rough. Uh, so this is the penultimate issue of House of X. Dawn of X? And yeah. X-Men? Yeah, like rotters. Yeah, yeah it's all gonna be it's crazy. It's come what's coming up down the pike. But uh, so this was the issue that picks up after the mission to Orcus to destroy the Mother Mold, and after some strange detours in the in the powers of X issue that followed to Mister Sinister and this kind of backstory of Xavier trying to create this mutant DNA library, House of X Five comes along and and confirmed a lot of our suspicions which was the, the X-Men who died on that suicide mission, Cyclops, you know, Jean Grey, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Angel, Husk, M, Mystique. I keep forgetting Mystique died. <laughs> I keep forgetting about Because it was so forgetful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but um, all those people who died were, were not going to stay dead very long. They get resurrected. And this issue basically takes us through what the real kind of social order of Krakoa is, how it's different, and how this mutant society is very different this time around. Like, this isn't just Utopia 2. Yeah. It's not just a place. Or Genosha, which were mutant havens, but they were just places. Yeah. Like, physical locations where you walked in and you were safe as a mutant. This is an entire culture that they are building. They've built their own language. Now they, we see this almost religious side of things in this issue, um, which is fun in a lot of ways because, again, Hickman just scoops up big ass handfuls of x-men lore (laughs) and just like mashes them in his hand like dirt and makes like a little big fun ball and then just like tosses it in the room and it's and it's pretty awesome so this one has like these five repurposed x-men characters including the most unlikely (laughs) x-men character of all gold balls gold balls (laughs) like yeah gold balls a guy whose power is literally Making bouncing gold balls. So take that how Whenever you Whenever you say that, in my head, I think of Gold Dust, the wrestler. Oh. I think, of like an like archer, I, think of, I think of an archer villain. Like, I think of would Gold be like Gold Ball. Like kind of a James Bond. <laughs> the point is, none of us take it seriously. <laughs> no. that name. Yeah, it's hard to take him seriously. I love gold. But now he's a religious figure of, of the X-Men. Like, this is what he's done. So basically, these five mutants, Gold Balls, Tempest is one of them, Elixir, Hope, Summers, and... uh the P, didn't it? You get Tempest, right? That's a Tempest. Okay. And start with the P? Huh? Wait, Proteus. The name. Proteus yeah. is the other one, yeah. Freaking Proteus. And so, like, they all become, they, you know, they're using Krakoa, and I think this is one of the interesting ideas that I really love, is they're learning how to sync up mutant powers to function collectively. Yeah. And to put the powers together to do 
and they say this interesting thing, like, you know, the Hickman points out, like, you know, in the comics, it's always been for aggression, how to kind of combine powers, like a speed, like, mm-hmm. you know, fastball special, yeah. like, for, for just fighting. But, like, what happens when you start to combine powers for, for like, lifestyle and culture stuff, like yeah. a habitat or this process, in this case, of cheating death, which yeah. is what these five X-Men do. So Gold Balls makes balls that turn out to be eggs. They're bioorganic eggs. Um, they use the DNA from Sinister's library to kind of mature these eggs using Tempest and Elixir and Gold Balls together. And Proteus alters reality to make an embryo be able to actually be yeah. in the egg, which is just nuts. That's such a cool way to yeah. use his abilities. So he just makes it possible, yeah, through altering reality. And Hope Summers synchronizes and amplifies all their powers for the better success rate. Thank you, Hickman. And they basically can grow new mutant bodies that are fully within powers, too. So they can create, like, a new Cyclops body with optic blasts. That's not all. Because you can't just have an empty shell, we learn that, oops, Cerebro isn't just this mutant-locating computer. It's also a mutant soul-storing database, basically. That Charles Xavier has been subconsciously taking, you know, psychic imprints of all the mutants he's made contacts with and now has this library of basically mutant mind souls that he can pull out and restore into an empty body shell and therefore basically bring the dead mutant back to life and, and just create and basically download. the so It's like hardware software in a Hickman world. Yeah, have, like, that, yeah. that has to tie. I, I just had a thought on the way you were explaining it. Like, have we gone back and looked at how that ties into powers what, three issues ago? Like, remember, that's what they went and stole from, like, all the stuff they were getting from Nimrod was mm-hmm. the location of the database of all the mutant genes and stuff. And what, they, what they stole from. Was the location where to, of where to get it. No, they stole Nimrod's when he came game. online. Yeah, the first time he came online, that's yeah. what they stole. Yeah. Well, the first time they went, they stole the location of the thing they needed, yeah. and then the right. second time they got when he came online. That was yeah. The, but the whole thing with Nimrod is he that is he collects all of the all of the data. That stuff was the sinister. Yeah, he took thread. Yeah, he was took the sinister. But it's, it's all powers in the future, is what I'm saying. Like, I feel like that has to somehow connect to the fact that they download all this data and Charles uses it to then recreate life. The way they say it well, here mutant, is that Cerebro is well, always the, the, the mutant DNA right, right, right. library. Cerebro has it, but then these yeah, are taking the place in the future. the mutant DNA library has been a running thing throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Right. I'm it saying this happens. It shows up in, in Nimrod's future, but it's also in a thousand years' future. All of that is in the future. Because that's the very first scene in the librarian's future is them trying to access it and rebuild these mutants, starting with Cyclobel. Right. Yeah. Um, and they're trying to do it, but they can't because the materials deteriorated over a thousand years after House of X. So it's no longer viable. Um, and yeah, so that's a big part of this. And I think these are just setups. I think this mutant DNA library is going to be just a big part of the X-Men world going forward. Yeah. And it's not going to be like finalized in this. It'll just be a big factor in everything that, you know, happens going forward. Because this whole like resurrection process is going to possibly be part of the story going forward. Like, mm. you know, X-Men Well, it's, it's yeah. got to be, right? Because in... Was it the in the previews for December? Oh yeah, we already saw. That's right. People yeah, are still coming out of eggs. So like, people are yeah. still coming out of eggs. Also, uh, like mutant kind is the number one is the dominant species on Earth. Yeah. So like this That's- at some point they have to get around <laughs> that, you know. And I don't. I'm curious to see how that happens. Uh, because I mean, to me, that's like in this book, they tease, right? Like what it would take to bring the Genosha level of mutants. Yeah. Back. Actual math for what it would take to bring all 16 million <laughs> dead mutants of Genosha back. Dude. And so that was a big second reveal. So you have this religious ceremony where they bring back all the dead X-Men from the mother mold mission. And they have this ceremony where Storm reintroduces him and says, this is my sister. I know her. Who is she? And they're like mutant. And they have like a whole like little cultural ceremony. Yeah. Um, and then the other two big developments in the issue are Charles Xavier convinces the leaders of the world using his like semi-bribery of the flowers of Krakoa produce these drugs that they can give to humans to like cure disease and like extend lifespan and all this stuff. And Emma being awesome. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, bribery is like that was the, he put the deal on the table. Well, it's political day. coercion like, is what it is. But uh, Emma also yeah. pushed. It was a deal. It's like, people. Will you leave us alone. We, and we give you this. It's yes. it, they're not, we're not obligated to give it to you, yeah. but like, well, I'm not here to be the moral judge, trait. but it is political coercion. It is like 
give me my own sovereign nation and you can have these things. And if you don't, you don't get them. So, like, yeah, that is political coercion. But anyway, the point is he wins. He gets it uh, for most nations. There's a whole, like, nifty little map drawn because we need more charts of, like, who doesn't <laughs> accept the deal. And it's, like, it's classic places like Madripoor doesn't. My favorite thing of all of it. Madripoor is, like, we're a pirate All of those locations. doesn't. It listed all the locations of, like, who of who was not in agreement to the deal and why. And they were like, some were like political reasons and some were social. Ideological. I, right. And they got to Wakanda and Wakanda was like, they don't need the medicine. Yeah. Like Wakanda was like, <laughs> Wakanda. we don't need it. Wakanda has no need of <laughs> It was medicine. so great because like, they're like, oh, oh, Wakanda's just their own yeah, they're, thing. They it's already fine. got that stuff. So they, the X-Men Krakoa becomes its own officially recognized mutant nation of in the world. So that's a big deal. Um, that's happened before, but now, it, again, this is, Hickman is more complex, mm -hmm. complex and nuanced than than Genosha and stuff, which is like okay, mutants go there, go away. You have your own yeah. island. This one is is actually hooked into the world economy, uh, trade deals, politics, like all of this stuff, religion, language, like. It is a full nation. And that bodes culture. so well for the future because yeah. one of the biggest problems with X-Men over the last, what, ten, seven, eight years has been like they always feel like they're pushed out here. Yeah. It's like everything else is going on in the Marvel Universe and then like when an event happens, they get a tie-in issue, but they're always how, over how here. <laughs> Marvel's going to let them be separate. What do you mean? Like, I mean, I mean, obviously, there are... No, but I'm saying this is stuff. why that's promising. Right, it's promising, but also, like, there's so many stories you can tell of just the mutants now, and it's like, how long do you think that Marvel lets them kind of, like, tell their own stories without... Well, I don't think this is going to be an easily retcon thing, because it it's, makes more sense. It's I think it'll be become something that becomes a signature of their characters. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I hope be, so. I, I want that to And that's be what's kind of happening. It's like, the basic question of what does it be to be mutant? I mean, Charles yeah. Xavier's trying to unify everybody just because, oh, you have powers, you're a mutant, and it's like... Well, that's not it, and, and Hickman's doing the brave thing, and I've been trying to find ways to write about this without starting a Matt International incident. Um, what about, like, <laughs> well, I yeah, the deeper meaning of what it means to be a minority culture oh, and, oh. and, like, what it is and, you know, what that means, or just a culture at yeah. all. Uh, I mean, because this one kind of plays with the idea of what it is to be a minority culture in general once they're the dominant species, you know. But, um, yeah, what it is to be a culture, because mutants have never... Been unified to under JK. a well, real and, and, full it, it, culture it plays, of what it means to be a mutant. Right, now. and it plays very similar to the way that you know, especially in the movie, the way that they handle Wakanda in Black Panther. And it was yeah. like, what if we were just left alone? Like, how much would we have? How much would we thrive if no one ever hurt us? Like, like what would that have looked like? Yeah, but that also required secrecy. This is very right. public, and as you right, saw, it's a very, it's very different approach. Yeah, realize what that uh, Wakanda existed. It, it, and I'm sure the next film will explore that in great detail. It changes everything. Yeah. Um, and in we, this case, the X-Men, it, it's going to change everything. Like, knowing there's a nation of mutants with their own economic power base, political power base, and social power base, like, it's not going to be chill for a lot of people. Orcus is still in there. Dr. We've Greg already still seen in there. this in yeah. small doses in House, right? With yeah. Fantastic Four or yeah, and those in the things, courts. Those are going to be interesting. Just like the amnesty clause of mm -hmm. the, all of this. Mutants are their own species and therefore not like governed by human laws or subject to like human That's jurisdiction. So interesting. Um, yeah, you got it. No. We handle our own stuff internally. Uh, it's kind of like a very Israeli almost. Like, mm -hmm. um, and that's the thing. There's shades of so many things. And that was like one of my favorite things was the speech Magneto's giving to Polaris in the beginning when they're talking about humans have taught us one good lesson about society. It's a very kind of echoing of Judaism and, and that kind of culture that's like passed down from a guy who survived the Holocaust. Yeah. And it's just, it was just so many levels of great. Like, and I really love this issue. Um, oh, we're just kind of skipping the headline here. Uh, so after they get their own nation, Charles Xavier makes this bold move of, this is going to be a truly unified mutant nation. And that means there is no more good and evil mutants. Like we're dropping all that. Mutant is mutant. And like, so therefore the shores of Krakow are open to everybody. Um, and Krakow is a big place. It's not like a tiny yeah. place. So, yeah, people can spread out. There's multiple habitats. There's yeah. all this stuff. So you can spread out, but, like, everybody comes through the portals. Yeah. You're like, it's like a reverse Avengers Endgame. Like, portals open and all the bad guys like step Mr. out. Mr. Sinister. Yeah, there's, we have a full list. Uh, I think there's about 21 altogether X-Men villains that kind of just show up for these cameos in this, led by none other than Apocalypse, who has 
the one, one of the greatest X-Men scenes ever just comes into his new home where he and the X-Men are now living under the same roof and Wolverine's just standing there because Wolverine is just like has a problem with it. And I love that they draw it to scale so like Apocalypse is so huge. <laughs> yeah, no. Wolverine's like That's this tiny great. angry man like standing great in front moment. of him. Um, and Apocalypse is just like, they're like, yo, you're going to be a problem? He's like, what are you talking about? I've been waiting for this. Like we're we're. Becoming, I was way ahead like, of y'all yeah. with this. Like like yeah, I was an OG that, of. I, I know we we've, we've mentioned it before, but like a, Apocalypse has probably been Hickman's best. No, we've been talking like, about it. Like yeah, this House of oh, X is subtly like just done so many things to steer Apocalypse into such a much more interesting mm-hmm. place as Very a character so. instead of like this arch fiend. Like find out like he's this multiple realities of level in yeah. history of hero like. Fought back the demons, took on the man machine supremacy. Like, yeah, you know, he's done so much. And the stuff that they've, like Hickman, right, has been teasing the return of the four horsemen. Yeah. But it's the spin he puts on it that is what makes it interesting. To be fair, I think the four horsemen already exist. No, I'm saying that's. And they belong to to Charles. Well, I don't know about that. Because the four horsemen were left. They have been stranded there. I mean, I'm saying, look at how Charles has operated society, there is himself who doesn't really talk to the rest of the people. Yeah. And he has like essentially his generals in front of him. And I believe there are four, right? Because there's there's Beast, Storm, Magneto, and there's one more, right? The, was it Polaris? The, when, when he was waiting behind when the X-Men were sacrificed, there was one more person that was there. I think it was Polaris. Might have been. But, the, but, it, it, but it, the it's very former, much a similar. I mean, he's not yeah. bringing on the end of the world, but he's bringing on the end of the human world with four generals. But I think the, the horsemen the are not yeah. tied no. to that because no, they were left. No, yeah. I'm not. They're not tied. I'm saying now Apocalypse is here and he sees how things work, and we don't know how, what's going to go. It, it's very yeah. parallel. No, but there is an me. event coming where there the actual those are coming back. original four horsemen. Oh, the, okay, the original. I think yeah. Yeah. the, no, the no, concept no. of the four no, horsemen no, no. was coming back. The original four horsemen that were left because he was a hero, and they essentially he sacrificed them, but they sacrificed. Sacrificed and stood the guard. Yeah, and so to I, they're going to bring them back. Half of Krakoa that's now in the demon realm, I guess. Yeah, and how many times though have we seen the four horsemen? Right, he gets a new group of four horsemen, but this is so <laughs> unique and original. It's because Hickman finds a, a cool way to make yeah. them heroes. And, almost in yeah? the sinister rumors, it says that he like truly loves the original. Four, yeah, and that basically it kind of reframes that his attempts to recreate them are just. To make these bastardized versions of the friends he like, yeah, exactly. That's so interesting, yeah. and I can't believe that store we've seen ninety times. Is now I'm excited about. Exactly. Right? Yeah, so, so you guys have been reading X Men for way longer than than I am. I know we don't have a lot of time, so I don't want to like make a big discussion out of this. But I want to hear from you guys. Like, it's it's almost over. Where do you think this is gonna fall in like the pantheon of? I mean, I think it's gonna be, I was thinking about that stories. yesterday. Like, it's an instant classic already. House yeah. of X two is already an instant classic. Like, like the Dawn of X, X there's story. Like, there's together. like three House of X books I would put like a top like. The way I see it, and I'm not as as X Men as you guys. You haven't been reading it as long, but it seems like it's going to be there with the House of M's and with the Age Claremont runs with with, with, with yeah. new yeah. you know um, new X Men. Yeah, it will. Uh, yeah. I mean, this will like, be a moment that there. it changed yep. everything. I have not I talked about the X Men as much in years. I haven't talked about comics this much in years. And I haven't thought about a storyline this much in years. Like, yeah, it's going to be up there with the greats. It's, like, it's, yeah. yeah, it's automatically up there, right? Like you said, half those books right now, I would count in my top whatever, and it's it's up there. It's already there. Yeah. So and we're going to move on because we got to finish up the show and uh, today. But uh, yeah, we're going to come to the end of this and we're going to be like, mind blown by the end of this, I'm sure. Um, it's going to be great getting to this new era of X-Men. So to finish up today, me and Charlie are just going to do a quick review of American Horror Story 1984. Matt's too scared to watch it, so he's going to sit out. I don't like I'm scary just, things. I'm just kidding. I don't like scary things. Um, so <laughs> when we last we left off, it was Apocalypse, which was a, a kind of a coven sequel with a little murder house thrown in twist. And I liked Apocalypse. I think you were kind of middling on it. Was all right. It was all right. Yeah. Um, I what did you think kind of, of 1984's premiere episode? And I, I really basically the premise the of the season is so far it's just a, it's kind of an ode to slasher. Films. Yeah, and that's and I, Friday the Thirteenth. I know, really loved it, and I hate that I really loved it because it's American Horror Story, and I know that it's not going to stay this way. Because oh. I mean, I, it's hard. It's very straightforward. It was very literal. Yeah, like, we were it, all it's very hard to think back. Kind of rug pulling twist. Yeah, but it was very straightforward. It was well, just but, but remember, faithfully Asylum was very in, straightforward. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. Premiere. I'm just trying to set the scene for people who right. are just listening. Like it, it so far, it's just been uh, kind of a 1984 VHS style 
right ode to a slasher like, movie the, the, about the, the people filmmaking going to a like, like the, the the camera work is reminiscent of the 80s like the the actual quality of the film looks like it's from the 80s um the characters are really overly campy in the best way you know billy lord's character is phenomenal matthew morrison like they all do a great job it feels like the 80s and like i said to you earlier i think that this one episode feels like the first act of a Friday the 13th movie. It, it kind of sets the stage, sets the characters, it kind of has the looming threat, has the old stories, and towards the end of the episode, there's one big you know, chase thing that ultimately doesn't result in a lot of carnage, but for one or two characters, they see what's happening, and we see what's happening when everybody does. It's very much in the vein of those sleepaway camps in Friday the 13th, um, and I'm, I'm really excited for what's next, but at the same time, like, I'm terrified this is only going to last for three or four episodes before Ryan Murphy does what Ryan Murphy does and just pulls the rug out and says, it's actually this totally different thing. And then it just gets weird and doesn't make any sense anymore and loses all the charm that it had at the beginning. But I mean, as a single episode, I thought this was great. Yeah. Um, I kind of like a lot of the twist. I don't hate it. And I, and I've, been a big fan of the deeper mythology of American Horror Story and the Seven Deadly Sins theory and all that, uh, which would make this season the lust season. Uh, I think Wrath was last season. Like, yeah. Um, anyway, so I think there's going to... I'm not so mad about the twist, but I agree with you in the sense that I get the sense that this whole slasher film thing can't last for an entire season. Right. Um, this is the first act, like you said, and only a couple like murders happen. We still have a full cast of characters, but it's got to start picking up because I think if we're just going through like five to six episodes of them, just seeing the killer across the lake and then he goes back in the woods and then almost gets them like, yeah, that gets really tedious really fast. Mm. Uh, I'm just trying to get, let's see, what do you guess the twist would be for this season? I mean, we've been talking, there's some, some talk about, 1984, the the name of it itself, like he he chose this because it was a you know a great era for slashers. It was you know they're using um what's the real killer they're using, uh, in the show, um, the the, the serial killer that, that came to her. I can't remember the name of the killer. Oh, I forget a, his name. Ramirez a real Ramirez. yeah yeah a and, real and killer. He was in Hotel too. He's um, a real guy and he's referenced in Hotel. And so that was a hotel you know, connection. And he was he was killing people in 1984. Um, but you know there's the whole idea that 1984 is a a nod to George Orwell and the whole Big Brother thing, and they're all being watched very Cabin of the Woods style. Um, there's theories that it's all they are actually making a movie, and we're watching the production of a movie, kind of a Roanoke type of twist. Yeah, that's what which I, I think. which I liked in Roanoke. I wouldn't want to see it again, but I, I enjoyed the way they did Roanoke, where it was half and half, and it was two completely different stories. Yeah, but um, it was them think, making a reality show that turned out to be real. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think Murphy really is a, has such wonderful ideas. And kind of loses himself the farther he goes. So Roanoke, I think, worked because it was it wasn't just oh a bunch of different twists here and there. It was a very clear like ending to Act One, beginning of Act Two. So you kind of close things off and then start new things and keep it contained. Um, and so I I liked what we did there, but I, I don't I don't know if if this is going to be more like that or more like Hotel, where there are a million doors opening every yeah. which way, or Apocalypse, where they're bringing all these other things, or Cult, where it was just constantly you know peeling back layers. <laughs> it's it's or gonna be freak tough to show see what, which what got really going. tedious and stretched out like weirdly te- freak show is my favorite one outside of murder house no, no love freak no, show no. a lot of it because Dan, dandy mod is one of the best villains asylum. that they've had i liked asylum a lot um, like, um i liked Asylum when i went back like and finally cult. finished it i really enjoyed asylum but even cult was different than i thought yeah. it was but, to be to kind of set it in perspective though this is this premiere is one of my favorites of the series like right there with murder house and yeah. asylum like was, this was a this is a great premiere yeah it's pretty good it's pretty tight and like yeah, creepy throughout. And there was some really good scenes uh, where they introduced a killer when he was a bit in asylum, mm-hmm. and he does like that neat little. Trick it was and it was very 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 Halloween, which yeah. that lends itself, I think, to the whole movie making idea because there were very clear tropes picked from different horror movies, yeah. which you can argue is just a filmmaking style and a choice that that Murphy's making to have a nod to those things. But like the way that Mr. Jingles, you know, escapes prison was like, oh, that was that's Michael Myers, yeah. You know, it was very, very taken from that. That it kind of it kind of leads you on, on a on a rabbit trail in your mind. Yeah. So, all right, that'll do it. American Horror Story 1984 is on now. You can catch it Wednesdays on FX, 
And uh, we'll let you know when the big twist comes. We probably won't. We're not going to talk about it every week. But when the big twist comes and the rug gets pulled, we'll be back to tell you what that's all about and uh, see how we feel about it. All right, that'll do it through this episode of Comic Book Nation. Thank you for joining in. If you're just getting acquainted with the show, we put up new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com where we have an RS feed, RSS feed you can subscribe to. Or you can subscribe on different listening platforms. We're on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Google Playlist. Or you can tell any Amazon Alexa device, play Comic Book Nation podcast and it will fire right up for you. If you want to continue the discussion about anything we discussed today or just yell at us, you can always find us at the hashtag Comic Book Nation. Or you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. And I'm at Charlie Ridgely. And if you like the show, please go on, or just want a free t-shirt, go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review. We periodically read reviews on the show, and if we read yours, we will send you a free Comic Book Nation t-shirt. So be sure to get those in and keep them coming, because uh, we're getting these shipping, the shirts out quicker this, you know, we're getting them quicker, making it happen. So we will be back for another round of review readings pretty soon. Other than that, thank you guys for joining us today. This is Comic Book Nation, and we're out. Yes.